0: What's up, guys? Conor O'Hanlon here again for another episode of the Con O Show, and today I'm going to be talking about uh, a topic that you well, obviously, if you clicked on this, you know, um, because this is a touchy, touchy subject. But uh, I'm going to be talking about cancel culture, and we're going to be talking about deplatforming, First Amendment, all that good stuff, and how effective it is. What um what we should do what we shouldn't do um but yeah before we dive into it if you would like to please follow me on twitter at Cono hamlin and on facebook you can follow the show the conno show uh that would be great and that way we can spread the love of the show more um and get more listeners more engagement so when it comes to cancel culture I assume if you are listening to this, you've heard of this before, but if not, cancel culture is just a form of, let's say, generally speaking, online um, shaming. It's a way of calling out people for things that are deemed unacceptable, Um, whether by certain people or by a group of people, whatever. A lot of times it's a celebrity, Uh, sometimes it's not. And we can get into some of those. But generally speaking, um, this may come as a shock. (laughs) But I actually think that on the whole, uh, and again, there's exceptions, but on the whole, uh, cancel culture has a net positive effect on society. And the reason that is, is because if you look at the vast majority of people who have been canceled, have actually done some pretty bad things now again there are exceptions and there are a wide range of things that people have been canceled for um but it's important to know that on the whole most people that get you know canceled still can live their life most of them still have jobs most of them can just do whatever they were doing and a lot of them actually did things that are more uh, questionable than some people that you know have lost their jobs or whatnot um you know I think one of the earliest examples that I can think of was uh, Jordan Peterson getting canceled and trust me if you are listening to this uh I despise Jordan Peterson I just I despise everything he stands for but again it's like he didn't really lose his job um, he, I'm pretty sure he got, uh, he quit and I could be wrong, um, on that. But from what I understand, he was kind of just like, he was, res- he took, he resigned from his position because he refused to call people by their preferred gender pronouns. Um, there was no law that forced him to do that. He was talking about a law in Canada that, um, <clears throat> they, they straw manned into saying that you have to do this, you have to do this, or you're going to get fired, or you're going to lose your job, or you're going to get fined. That's not how it works. Um, but, even if it did, he refused to do it, and he rose to prominence from it. So again, it's like, the, the one of the earliest... <laughs> forms of this form of uh, cancel culture is someone that actually become became popular because of cancel culture and because of the victim mentality that he had by being canceled and yes, he is um, Utilizing that victim mentality to rise to prominence He has nothing that I personally he has nothing that I haven't heard from like some self-help guru or any other, like sociologist or psychologist, could have talked about. Um, but he's prominent because he's not quote PC. So Jordan Peterson is an example of this. Um, there are people, and it's usually the people. A lot of the people that complain about cancel culture are right wing, um, or they are comedians. Which comedians are trying emo- <laughs> a lot of them. Are frustratingly oblivious to the world that they're operating in. Now, if someone doesn't like your joke because it's racist, then yeah, that's like you're, it's, you're rightfully going to be, quote, canceled, right? But if someone doesn't like your joke and then you act like a victim, Because they're booing you and you said like, dude, like, what? Because my joke isn't PC? Well, that is a different outcome and that's a different, like, reaction. And again, you're utilizing that victim mentality that usually the right um, projects onto the left wing. um, Because there are actual victims of sexual harassment, actual victims of racism on the left usually. Um, So it's like they're projecting that onto themselves. So... I guess a good – another another example of like people complaining about it but it was justified would be like Louis C.K. Um, talk to my friends about this too because it's interesting to see like the perspectives of like, okay, you know, you think cancel culture is out of control. I mean give me some examples. And Louis C.K. is someone that again like he has a career. He still has his he can still go and do shows, people still go see him. people still think he's funny. I mean, I probably would think he's funny. I never thought he was as funny as people said <laughs> i i'm I'm not the biggest fan of his, but even if um like even if he's still funny and all this other stuff, like it's important to point out that yeah, he did like he did have sexual misconduct with with women, and he did do all this stuff. And it's important to know, and it doesn't necessarily mean you can't you can't um, enjoy an art form from somebody. And another example of this would be Michael Jackson. It's like, yes, he, you know, I don't know if um, I don't know all the ins and outs of the Michael Jackson case. I never really looked into it too much. Um, I know obviously the broad strokes of it, but it doesn't make that music less enjoyable necessarily, um, versus, you know, say another artist that's not accused of being, you know, misconduct with, with children. Um, it's not good. (laughs) Like I, I wouldn't necessarily be like, Oh, because of this, I like it. (laughs) I definitely wouldn't be like that. But there's like, there is a time and place to separate, like someone's a, you know, does something heinous, you can separate it from their art. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's their message and their what they did is inherent to what they preach and what they practice. Again, it's like, that's the difference to me with someone like the Jordan Peterson. What he is preaching is specifically antithetical to social progress, What Michael Jackson is doing is singing a song and dancing. So it's like their art form. And again, if you want to call what Jordan Peterson does, art. But I mean, he wrote a book. He's done these things that he's putting, um, you know, he's putting things out there for people to digest. Or Louis C.K. Now, if Louis C.K. starts joking about sexual harassment, yeah, it's probably not going to be funny. And it's probably not acceptable, right? It's, there's the gray... Areas of these things where it's like... And, and it's funny to mention because all of those people are still extremely wealthy. Well, Michael Jackson's dead, but Michael Jackson was extremely wealthy. His family is extremely wealthy. Louis C.K., extremely wealthy. Jordan Peterson, ungodly wealthy for what he does. It's, it's the constant... It, it seems to be that... If you just apologize for what you've done, most of the time, you can get by, and that's what people want. People want you to reflect on what you've done, um, especially when you are a public figure. Now, like if you are just an average person, and you know some, I don't, I really don't know of many instances where it's like a just a regular person gets canceled but say like you get caught on like doing something on like a a cell phone video of like you know i don't know saying something racist i mean depending on how bad it was you probably should be able to live your life but you also should have to apologize and be like i was wrong i shouldn't have done that you should learn from that. And that's the point of this social like calling out of people. Yes, it's annoying and it can be scary, but that's kind of the point. Um because for the longest time, imagine imagine instead of your opinion being what you get called out for, it's your sexual orientation you get called out for. And instead of being like, "Oh, I'm going to get shamed on the internet," you get killed or you get beat up in the street. Or you get lynched if you because you, just because of your skin color. So I think when we're comparing the two, uh, I'll take cancel culture any day of the week. And of course, it's like it cuts both ways because there's that there's probably at some point something that I've said that is stupid, right? But I'm I'm willing to say I'm sorry if I did say something like that. I don't think that a lot of people are willing to just say yeah i was wrong i mean look when I, if it was five or six years ago probably six six or seven years ago i was much much more conservative and i didn't understand um some of the things that i understand right now again my head would have exploded if you told, told uh, if i if i talked to my former self about uh like race being a social construct or or gender being a social construct. I don't think I would be a straight out bigot. But you, st- you sometimes you say stupid things. Like, oh, like I think there's only two genders and that's it. Like, you can't transgender people. I don't know what that... I don't think I knew what a transgender person was seven years ago. So, people learn. People grow. And that's kind of the point. The point is to move people forward. And to grow... Beyond just the um societal norms and to it's really to change societal norms because it's not okay to sexually harass women it's not okay to be racist it's not okay to to be you know I, I mean this is a whole nother thing too but like to have your your football team's name be the Redskins I mean Jesus like come on is it like How apparent do we have to be because it's like, okay, now if we get these overt things out of the way, then you can have the swing back a little bit. You can have the swing back towards like, all right, we're getting back to normal. We're getting to – we don't have to cancel everybody. And, of course, there are examples too of going to be like, all right, well, someone did blackface in, you know, 1980. And, since ha- and they've since apologized. But, you know, we're going to go back and call them out for it. Okay, I mean, I get it. I wouldn't do back blackface. I haven't done blackface. But, like, at the same time, if they've apologized for it, if they've come out and said, like, dude, that was really dumb. Or if it was for, you know, some movie and it's in that movie. And they say, like, you know, I, I disavow what I, whatever it is. There's only so much that someone can do to change what's happened in the past. And if they're not like, if they're not willing to change and accept that they were wrong, then, you know, F them. But if they are willing to change and learn from the experience, we have to let people say, I'm sorry and I've learned and I've changed. As long as it's genuine and sincere. And of course, if it's not and they get caught doing something again or they're doing, you know, to doing these things overtly still... You know, like the Ben Shapiro types that just they get canceled all the time for talking about Palestinians, say, like living in sewage. And like then he's like, dude, why do you call me a racist? Because being called a racist to them is worse than being a racist, which is true. That's that's also the other part of this, this cancellation stuff. To some of these people, it's worse to be called out for being a racist, for being a sexist, than it is to actually be a racist or sexist. And Ben Shapiro has literally said these heinous things about Palestinians, about women, about, about black people. And, and the list goes on and on and on. About, he, he, I, I mean, yeah. Him in particular, heinous person. But you get to these people then, like, relishing in the victim mentality that they so rail against all the time like dave rubin who will bring on anybody that gets canceled for being anti-progressive and you know just you know you get jk rowling who's now she's a turf and it's like these people are are espousing things that are really antithetical to social progress and to what our world should be and if they don't agree with that fine keep saying what you're saying you can jk rowling could still write books ben shapiro could still have his his lectures and now of course he's going to complain when he gets shut down in a public place but um or sorry a private place but that's not for him to decide you know, if he's in a public square, like literally a public square, then of course he has to be able to be able to speak, but that doesn't mean we can't speak over him or we can't counter-speak. But if he's getting if he, if you're getting canceled going to or sorry, not even canceled, if your speeches aren't allowed at a private place because those private play those private places don't want to have you, then guess what? That's not free speech. This is uh, a little bit now of a transition here into free speech and what free speech is and what free speech can be and what it should be. Here in the United States, we have a very much more robust free speech right than in say Europe. And even in Europe, you know, you can say a lot of things that you would wanna say normally. But when it comes to, let's say, being a Nazi, you can't do that in Germany, or you can, there are people, there definitely are, those people definitely exist, but you know, you can't put that uh, imagery out there in Germany. You can't say some of these things, and you're, I don't know the ins and outs exactly of every different country, but... The same way that the Nazi flag is banned in Germany, it doesn't exist here in the United States. So, you like, if you know, if you're a Nazi, you have every right in the United States to uh, espouse that belief. Where the question starts to dive deep is when does speech. Or can speech become violence against another person? This has always been a interesting topic to me, because if you look at Nazi ideology, the ideology is fascism, so right wing authoritarian populism, with you know sprinkles of uh, economic. Progressivism, not much, not much, but uh, at least that's the things that they espouse usually. But they're very authoritarian, very socially conservative. And they throw a bone every once in a while to the working people. And their rhetoric is about the working people. But fa- it's fascism. And Nazis in particular are very anti-Semitic. So... If and you know, I think that also goes beyond if if we take if we take it to the next level, it goes beyond just anti-Semitism because they they hate a lot of different other people, but if it's just anti-Semitism, and they just want to and I and I, I it says it's weird just saying that, but if they just are saying like, okay, we're anti-Semitic, well, what point does it become they're threatening Jewish people's lives because their ideology thinks believes that Jewish people should be expelled from, you know, the earth basically. So at what point does it make it okay <clears throat> to shut down their free speech to protect another class of people that have historically been oppressed and marginalized? I don't know exactly the right answer. And I think you can debate this on and on and on. Because if you say, if they're saying exactly like, you know, we need to have whatever. I don't even want, I I don't even like going through the scenarios. But if they're talking about um, Holocaust denial, I mean, really? That's a a borderline thing to, to say like, this shouldn't be able to be put out there. I mean I don't know if it really should be able to be put out there because it's factually inaccurate it's historically inaccurate it's it's putting out information that will that can radicalize people to that ideology that millions of people died under the power of Six to seven million Jewish people. Another, I think it's another five to six million other, like, you know, uh, people deemed as, you know, gypsies or people that were crippled. Um, I mean, we're talking 12 to 13 million people. And then all the people that died fighting against the Nazis in World War II, like this ideology, and it's... It's so heinous. It's so obviously bad. But what what point do you have do you have to shut that down? What point can you shut that down? It's a debate that we would have to have. Because when when does that ideology become inciting violence? I mean, that's the there's an argument to be made against violence against people that believe this stuff. And I'm not saying I advocate for that, but the idea of violence against someone that is advocating violence against you is almost it's i mean it's almost a reasonable response it basically is a reasonable response it's self-defense in a sense but someone's ideology is so ingrained into them that it's like what at what point can you separate that what point can you say like it's not acceptable anymore so when it comes to that it's so much more of a clearer enemy, of a clear bad. But when you get to the conspiracy side, say Alex Jones type, now it's a again, this is a a little bit more of the free speech angle here. Because I'm I wouldn't consider myself a free speech, you know, absolutist, but I'm pretty close to that. Uh I think I think people should have should be able to say whatever bad idea they have, and I can spit, say whatever good, <laughs> I, what I think is a good idea back. But there is a line. It's not indefinitely like you can just keep going to whatever it is. You have to draw that line, and that's why deplatforming comes in. So it's part of this is a part of that cancel culture. It's part of that free speech versus you know, uh, you know, your anti-free speech and whatever. When it comes to someone like Alex Jones, it's a very clear a uh, very clear example of how cancellation and deplatforming can work. Because before Alex Jones was canceled, and really, I mean, like, I don't know if there really was a time when Alex Jones wasn't, quote, canceled. But basically, since he was denying the Sandy Hook shooting, uh, it's been a lot more amplified and, like, no, dude, you're nuts. Um, since then, he has since been platform from youtube from twitter from you know basically facebook from every major social media platform and it worked he had millions of subscribers on youtube he had i'm sure he had millions and millions of views on facebook videos too tons and tons of following on twitter all this other stuff and look what happened. When was the last time you heard about Alex Jones? Since he got banned. He was on Joe Rogan once. But that's about it. You don't hear about him. And it's, you know, it's like the 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 effect of someone being deplatformed like that is he can go on some other website, he can go somewhere else. But guess what? That marketplace of ideas, quote, because I don't know if that's a real thing, but that, quote, marketplace of ideas is on those major social platforms. Most people are on those platforms, which makes it nearly impossible to get to that level elsewhere, to get to the level he was previously at. So the ideology wavers and then hopefully dies out. We have to wait and see. I don't know. I mean, it's it's obviously not going to completely just be gone because Infowars still exists. Like you can't just shut down his entire website necessarily. But it's limited. It's like you have to actively go look for that, rather than being like, oh, YouTube. Yeah, the algorithm's going to send me to watch an Alex Jones video because I watched a Sargon of Akkad video. You know, it, the the and that's a whole nother video or podcast by itself is talking about that pipeline but those social pipelines exist but if you get off those platforms they can't exist and this is where it's funny because I don't know what the full answer is I'm torn actually I should say there is idea there are ideas that we should nationalize social media platforms and this usually comes from conservatives which is funny because usually that's the opposite of their ideology they would say like no 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 uh the government can't be ca- taking control of this but if we nationalize social media platforms because they're too big and they they're they control so much of the marketplace like Facebook, like YouTube or Twitter. If we nationalize them, then the 1st Amendment applies and then that means you have to allow all these people to be, you know, back on unless they're advocating for uh, you know, they're threatening people and whatever. Then there's the other idea of breaking them all up. Because of my ideology as a social democrat, I believe, I believe that there is a role for markets and market capitalism to work in theory. And I believe that these things can work if there wasn't monopolies and duopolies that just control every single market. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And some people want these monolithic monopolies that just control an entire market, like YouTube. I mean, like I—I I, I mean, I use YouTube every single day of my life, multiple hours. I listen to YouTube all the time, and I don't use some random other website. So that's why I'm kind of torn. The 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 problem with nationalizing these things, comes into, well, with First Amendment, then allows people like Alex Jones, who might not be literally threatening, I mean, there are examples of him threatening people, but maybe, maybe we'll take it to a different, different example. Maybe we have, like, uh, Ben Shapiro, which he is still on these platforms. But him or uh, Stefan Molyneux, that's actually a good example. Because Stefan Molyneux is a white nationalist. So he was banned. But if the First Amendment applies, he is basically going to be allowed on that platform no matter what. He's Canadian, so... I it I I don't know how the rules would apply through that because the marketplace is a uh, US website, you know, uh, YouTube's a US website. So I don't know exactly how that would work. Um, I assume it would still have to apply because if YouTube is nationalized by the US, but it is allowing international uh, content, it would have to just probably be like designated that you're from another country, but You still have to apply that First Amendment because if you're here, most of the rights that are granted to you are still granted even if you're not a citizen. So that would have to probably be how that works. But he's a good example. Even if it's not him, someone like him that's a a United States citizen would be an example of like, well, what do you do? Because these platforms don't want these people on here. Advertisers don't want to be on You know and again that's it's different because you don't need advertisers if you are nationalizing it but if you're not you still need like this this balance is just all out of whack so i don't know if there's a clear path forward but it's something to think about and i would like to hear what you have to say about this if you want to comment on this um You can always comment it on it on Twitter or on Facebook, but that's basically where I will leave this at for today and just say that, you know, I'm very much pro for free speech, but there are limits. There have to be limits to to our speech um, when it comes to threatening violence. And, uh, and of course, you know, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, any social media, like these are private corporations, so they have their own guidelines. So it doesn't apply. And it, But it, it gets into that very, very tough area of like, well, who's the arbiter of deciding that? So if you think that we should break up these tech monopolies, then please let me know. If you think that we should um, nationalize them, please let me know. Do you think that cancel culture is out of control? I know a lot of people believe that. I tend to not believe that. Um, I think that there are examples of it getting out of control. But on the whole, I think we're in a net positive uh, with deplatforming these you know, heinous ideas and deplatforming people that are very antithetical to what our society wants. But otherwise, you can follow me on Twitter at Cono Hanlon. You can follow the show at The Cono Show on Facebook. And I will see you next week. Thank you for listening.